Morning. I will be reading Proverbs 12, Proverbs chapter 12, verses 18 through 23. There is one whose rash words are like, like swords thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act in faithful, act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools pro- proclaim folly. Well, good morning, Mesa family. For those that don't know me, I am David Hinkle. I am Jackie and Francis Hinkle's son. And it's an honor and pleasure to be here this morning to be able to worship with you guys and be able to bring the message to you uh, this week. And if everything goes well, I'll do it again next week as well. We'll just have to see how it goes with this because you never know, I might get in trouble with my big mouth in place. So what I've decided to do is we're going to do a little mini-series here. So we're going to do two lessons that are going to go together and work together. And I'm calling the series... Me and my big mouth. I would like for you to all repeat this with me. So on the count of three, we're going to say me and my big mouth. You ready? One, two, three. Me and my big mouth. Now then what I want you to know is what you didn't say. You didn't say my wife's big mouth, my husband's big mouth, my children's big mouth, my parents' big mouth, my boss's big mouth, my co-worker's big mouth. You said me. And my big mouth. We're going to be trying to see what we can do to work on ourselves over the next two days, our next two weeks, looking at our mouths. And in order to get started with this, I have to teach you one other thing that, that we have to do. And that is quick to listen, slow to speak. We're going to look at what James has to say about the tongue today. And looking at that, but there's something with this that I want you to learn. And think about over the course of this next week. Because when you say quick to listen and slow to speak, there's a hand motion involved with this. A hand motion to be able to do this. I want you to everybody take their hands, put them down to your side, kind of form a fist, if you will. And I want you to say quick to listen and slow to speak. And open those hands when you say quick to listen. You ready? Quick to listen and slow to speak. You see, we have a tendency when we get into a discussion, I'll just call it a discussion with someone, we have a tendency to close up, to be able to make a fist, that we close up. Not only do we close up our hands, but we have a tendency to close up our heart and close up our ears as well. And James tells us, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so we need to learn how we need to open ourselves up when we're in these conversations. When we're having these types of conversations, we need to be able to open ourselves up to be able to listen to what the other one says. And I know we all want to be heard. That's really what it's about. We want to be heard. And not only do we want to be heard, we want to be understood as well. And often in our discussions, we have the thought process that we may not agree But I want you to make sure you listen to me because I have something to say. My truth is better than your truth. So James tells us in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, 
He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, who is James speaking to? Brothers and sisters. That includes all of us. And he wants to reiterate that by the next words. He says, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. So I thought maybe I would try to help out with a little bit of some advice here as we get into discussions like this with different people. And the thought process is that we need to be curious. When we're having conversations with each other, we need to be curious about the other person. And maybe we just simply need to ask a question in these conversations because we need to take time, as James has told us here, that we need to be quick to listen. So maybe we need to ask questions. Maybe we need to ask three questions to be able to get to know where the other person's coming from, their point of view of why they're saying what they say. Because what I found out is, is that we all have a tendency to believe what we believe. We know what we know. And we don't always know what the other person knows or what their background was, what has caused them to believe the things that they believe. So we need to get to know each other and be able to listen to each other. You see, because the quicker I listen, the better is the better chance for me to learn. I heard about two weeks ago a very good example of this. It's a golfing example. I don't know how many of us are golfers, but I'm not. But when you get on the putting green, when you're there on the putting green and you have this shot just like this lined up with the, with the hole there, what do you have a tendency to do? You have a tendency to get down, take a look. Okay, I'm going to line it up right there. And then you end up walking around the green and you take a look at how the green is laid out there for how your ball is going to go. And then a lot of people actually go to the other side of the cup and look back at your ball and see where it is. Oh, there's a little hill right there. I didn't see that from over there. So I need to take my ball a little more to the right because it's going to cut left. And, and we begin to figure this all out. Well, it's the same thing with relationships. We need to be able to get to the other side, get to the other person's point of view, the other person's perspective. That's why we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, to be able to understand where they're coming from and what they're doing. Because sometimes we think it's more important to be right than to be right with each other. So often we want to be right. I know my truth is right. So I need to tell it. And instead, we need to be really working on being right with each other. And so being right doesn't really matter, does it? Because I need to be right with you and you need to be right with me. Which means we need to be listening to each other. James goes on to say, not only do we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, we should also be slow to become angry. See, I believe that the longer you listen, the more you learn about that other person, the less chances that you're actually going to be angry leaving that conversation. Did you know that God gave us a pause button? He really did. God gave us a pause button. We have the ability at any time, in any type of conversation that we're in, we can hit the pause. 
We can shut our mouth and be quiet at any point in the conversation. It's not a button we like to use very often. But we do have the ability to actually pause and stop and think. A button that we should probably use a whole lot more often. What I really wish we had is a rewind button. That's the button I wish we really had. We don't have that. Men, have you ever walked up to a woman and asked, when's the baby due? Only to find out she's not pregnant. They say the average man will only do that once. Some of us are above average, though, I just have to tell you. I have a friend of mine, his name is, his name is uh, Brendan. Brendan's a plumber, and I've known him for about 25, almost 30 years now, that we've done a lot of work together. And there was a time in our life that we talked to each other almost every single day. And his dad was, was in the process of dying. He's from Ireland. His dad lives in Ireland. And every time I talked to Brendan, I'd, I'd be asking him, hey, how's your dad doing? And he'd tell me the update of where his dad is, what the situation is, and how his dad is doing. Well, one day Brendan called me and says, my dad passed away. I'm going to end up for the next two weeks or so, I'm going to fly to Ireland and take care of our family, family needs and everything else. Well, after that two weeks was over, Brendan came on, the, on one of my job sites and, and, took, and, to, uh, and we started talking and conversing. And all of a sudden I said, hey, how's your dad doing? And he just smiled at me and says, my dad's doing great. And I thought, whoa, I wish I had a rewind button because it had become part of our conversation that every time I talked to him, I asked him that same question. And I was just in that position to ask him again. But yet, it wasn't the right words to say, was it? But he handled it so well with with just that big old smile Brendan can do and says, he's doing great. You know, words are powerful. Words shape us. Not only to us, over us, and about us. Words that are used shape who we are. If you think about the words that you were teased at when you were a little child, even through your teenage years, and maybe even into your adult years as well, those words that you heard about yourself, they end up shaping who you are. Words are not equally weighted. I can say one word to you and it means one thing. I can say another one and it means something else. Words don't, are not equally weighted. The source isn't equally weighted as well. I know when, when, our, uh, when we had uh, young boys in our, in our house, as we were raising them, there were times that Kinder would ask them to do something. Now, I've got to tell you, our boys were pretty good. They usually did whatever mom asked. But there was a time or two where, where Kinder would say, David, can you go tell the boys to do this? Because they're not getting it done. What happens? Dad comes in, dad says it, and it gets done. I don't know why, but it seems like dad's voices seem to weigh a whole lot more than others. There was a young man that, I say young man, he's now in his 30s, but I've known him since he was about 10 or so. His dad died at a very young age, and we've had multiple conversations over the years. And in one of those conversations, he said, he said to me, he says, thank you for telling me that. I really appreciate it. But I really wish my dad was here to say those words to me. 
You see, the sources aren't equally weighted. Also, recovery time is not equally weighted as well. I might be able to say something to you and it means one thing and you're over it in five seconds. But I turn around and I say the same thing to you and it may take two months, three months, four months, a year, a lifetime to recover. We all have different recovery rates when it comes to the words that we use with each other and how we use them. See, so often we just say, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I said those things, and that's a good thing for us to do. But we often say, I'm sorry. And what we want is, we want this. We want want to know why we're not back to the way it was before I said, I'm sorry. You know, before I said what I said, if I, I apologize for that. Why aren't we back to where it was? Because it takes time for people to recover when they hear those types of things. You know, if we walked outside here and, and I showed you my truck and, you, and had you get in my truck and I accidentally slammed your hand into my truck door, of course, I would immediately open it up and your mangled hand would be there, right? And I'd say, I'm sorry. Does it fix your hand? No, we end up having to go down to the ER, right? And it takes time for your hand to heal. The same thing is about us as well. The exact same thing. It takes time for us to recover. We're not always back to where we were after we say, I'm sorry. You see, we've got to learn how to be quick to listen and slow to speak with our words. James continues on in chapter 3. And he says, we all stumble in many ways. Who stumbles? All. We all stumble in many ways. And he says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Do you hear what he says here? James says, if you're able to have perfect speech, if you're able to say the right thing in the right moments all the time, you're perfect. That's what James is saying here. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And if they're able to do that, guess what? They're able to keep their whole body in check. Now, James does not say it's impossible I think, but it is definitely hard, is it not, to keep our tongue in check and therefore keep our whole body in check. But James goes on and says, let me give you some examples of these things. When we put bits in the mouths of horses, ever put a bit inside of a a horse's mouth? I have one time, one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do. Probably the reason why I've never done it again. But I know people who do it, it's done. I mean, it's, you do it over and over and over again. But he says, when we put bits in, the horse, in, in, a, in a horse's mouth, we make them obey us. And in turn, we can turn the whole animal. It's something small, just a bit, that goes in their mouth. And we're able to turn that horse wherever we want it to go. Or James says, you don't like that example? I'll give you another example. Take ships. Take ships, for example. Although they're large and they're driven by strong winds... They are steered by a very tiny little rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. I have a picture here of an ancient Roman ship. This was an ancient Roman cargo ship. And if you look here in the back of the ship here, there's a, I'm going to call it a paddle that drops down. That's actually the rudder. The rudder would stick down and there would be a pilot that would stand up there on top. 
And that, and that rudder would come up, and there would be a stick that would come over, and he'd have, to be, he'd have the, the ability to be able to turn that ship. And that rudder would just turn that ship anywhere they wanted to go. And when you look at comparison, that's pretty small when it compares to the whole entire size of the ship. And that's James's point here. Small part, big influence. Small part, big influence. So he continues, likewise, the tongue. The tongue's a small part of the body, yet it can have great boast. I don't know if you've looked at your tongue lately, but your tongue's kind of one of the ugliest things of your whole body, when you think about it. At least I'd think so. And yet it can boast such great things, such huge things that we can say about our tongues or about, about each other. James goes on, he says, Consider what a forest fire, what a great forest fire set on a fire by a small spark. You know, that right there can turn around and do that right there. And then do that. All from this. And James wants to make that point. That a small thing in our body, when you talk about our tongue, it's only about four inches long. Did you know that there's about eight muscles in your tongue? And your tongue muscles never get tired. They never get tired. The rest of our muscles, they get tired. But not our tongue. And guess what? Most of us are, lit, are born with our little our pilot lit, light lit. Ready to start using those words up, right? Using that tongue, those tongue muscles. James goes on and says, The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among, among the parts of the body. James says, You want to know where evil is in your body? Just look at your tongue. Take a look at your tongue. That's where you want to start at. Why? Because it corrupts the whole body. The tongue has the ability to corrupt the whole body. Parents, with our little ones, when they mouth off of us, at us, and we, do we put the tongue in timeout, or do we put the whole body in timeout? When we have teenagers and they mouth off at us, do we ground the tongue, or do we ground the whole body? We have a tendency to ground the whole body. And James is saying here, the tongue can corrupt the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Back to this fire analogy. The whole body can be consumed by the words in which we say. And can set our course and set our direction. But often we just say, well, I was just defending myself. That's all I was doing. I was just defending myself. And how are you defending yourself? With more words. Which typically get us into more and more trouble, right? We've got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. But if you start a fire accidentally, guess what? You're still responsible for the fire you started. So many of us have scorched fires in people's lives. By the words that we choose to use. By the way we say things to them. We have burned down many a tree. 
ruin many a life because of the words sometimes that we use. James goes on to say in verse three or verse six, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole whole course on, on of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. And when he uses the word hell, he's not talking about a place of torment. He's actually talking about the person who runs the place of torment by the devil or Satan himself. In other words, have you ever said something and you went, where in the world did that come from? That was probably Satan putting that in you in some form or another. And that's what James here is calling out, that those things come from Satan. Now, James goes on and kind of changes the subject, but not really. He says all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles, sea creatures, they're being tamed and they've been, they've been uh, tamed by mankind. And what he's saying, he's not talking about domestication here. He's talking about the animal kingdom world. Are we afraid of, of, of tigers coming and taking over the world? Or are we afraid of elephants coming and taking over the world? We might still be afraid of apes, though, because I saw something one time about apes. But <clears throat> we should be, we're not, we shouldn't be afraid of the animal world because we've tamed the animal world, have we not? And James is saying, listen, we've tamed the animal world. But he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. He says the tongue is untameable. Matter of fact, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison, is what James would go on to say. Our tongue can get us into so much trouble. James continues this thought. He says, with our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We sing here and worship God today, praising God, but yet then we walk out to our cars, get in the car, and to each other, do we not? And James wants to point out that this is an unnatural thing. And he goes on by saying, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, but brothers and and sisters, this should not be. This is not the way we should be living. We should not be living this way at all. If we're going to praise God, then we need to be praising everything of God's, which means God's creation, and we are all part of his creation, right? And we should be having those kind of words that are appropriate to be using with God as we use with each other as well. Not be take, knocking everyone down. And he gives us, let me give you some examples, he says. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Well, the answer, of course, is no, it cannot. And he says, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, nor a grape, a vine bear figs? No, it cannot. And neither can salt spring produce fresh water. James wants to point out here to you, this is natural things. And it's unnatural for, 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 for a fig tree to produce olives or for salt water to come out of a freshwater area. That's unnatural. What else is unnatural? Is our mouth singing praises to God and turning around and saying whatever it is we want to say to each other. That's not of a godly nature. So James, how do we fix this? What's the answer? How do we do this? Well, James will tell you, that's it. That's the end. 
Because after this, James immediately goes into a whole other subject matter. So, I think really what James here is trying to teach us, or trying to tell us, is there is no once and for all solution. We all have different experiences. We all have different ways of handling things. And so there's not a one for all solution. Although I did come up with one. I'm not sure that we want to do it, but I did come up with one. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I came up with three ideas that I want to share with you this morning. That is remember, surrender, and confess. Remember. We need to remember that our words are powerful. That we are powerful people with the words that we can use. We have untold power with the words that we can use. We need to remember how powerful our words can be to each other. We also need to surrender. We need to surrender our words back to Jesus, back to God. You know, this whole Christian living, this whole Christian life is about surrender. Surrendering ourselves, rescinding our bodies back to God. And allowing Him to have control over everything. Because in baptism, what do we do? We died to self. We rose for Him, right? And we need to remember that we need to surrender our tongues. I came up with a little prayer here that I'm going to challenge you this week. I'd like for you every day this week to say this prayer. Add it to your prayer list of other things that you pray for as you pray. It's real simple. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Turn those things over to God. We also need to confess. When we say something that we shouldn't be saying, we need to immediately apologize. Immediately get the record straight. Immediately hit that pause button. I'm sorry for what I said. So often we've grown up in in a situation where we just repeat whatever our parents have done or we repeat whatever our circle of friends are doing. But what we really need to do is we need to break that cycle. And we need to be followers of Jesus. And listen to what James has said to us about what our speech is. Because James tells us, I think, two things here that are very important. Our words, they're powerful. We can be very powerful. But the tongue, the tongue cannot be tamed. But it can be guarded or controlled. You see, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak with each other. Maybe this morning there is someone here that's having struggle with their tongue. Maybe you have struggle with something else in your life. And so I'm going to ask that you now come forward as we stand and sing.